the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise God. Okay, so let's come and look at our teaching focus for this season. I've been running a series that I've broadly captioned, I love my church. Somebody say, I love my church. Say, I love my church. How many of you genuinely love this church? You love the church? You have to love the church. Look at what David, one man who was a crazy lover of the church said. He said, one day spent in your house, Psalm 84 verse 10. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship, beat thousands spent on Greek island beaches. One day, may you go to Greek island beaches. Hey, whatever is on Greek island beaches must be very powerful. Anybody traveled to Greece before? Receive a visa to Greece. Some people live in America, you jump now. Greece, there. Yeah. The economy of Greece is seriously under pressure. I don't know. Are they out of the woods now? Not really. Yeah. But you never know. God may send you there to transform the economy. Receive the grace to travel to Greece. Yeah. Listen. Listen. We have to understand that as a kingdom ambassador and as an ambassador of this house, the world is your parish. Somebody say, the world is my parish. Turn to your neighbor and say, your excellency. I'm honored sitting by you today. You see, our gathering is a gathering of ambassadors. So, you don't have to worry about wherever you are going. Ambassadors don't worry about any country. You can take them and send them to even Libya. They will live in peace because ambassadors are super protected. Praise God. So, when we say go to Greece, don't worry about the economy. You are functioning under the economy of heaven. Okay, so he said one day, in the court of God is better than thousands spent on Greek islands, beautiful island beaches. I will rather, as if that was not enough, he said, I will rather scrap floors in the house of my God than to be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Some of you, if they invited you for a state banquet, you put it on your status, won't you? You put it on your status. When you come to church, you take a picture in church and put it on your status. Yeah. Oh, see me. And then they will put it. I had a rare opportunity to uh, be invited by the president for this thing. And then you put it on your status. That's David. As for David, his time in church was the most important. Am I communicating here? He said his time. He said one day in the house of God for me is worth much more than thousand. He must certainly know something you and I don't know. Praise God. He must certainly know something. A life is about knowing secrets others who have excelled don't know. 
the only key to excel in life is just to find out those who have excelled. What have they done that you don't know? Because there's always something you don't know. David lived a very good life. He wasn't perfect. And I like him. There are many Bible characters I like. David is one of the people. Because uh, I have many things in common with him. He wasn't perfect. But he had a heart that was panting after God. As the deer panted after the water brooks, so my soul panted after thee. My soul panted for God. He said, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. David had trouble. If you want to know a human being who really had trouble, it was David. Suffered from the hands of his friends, betrayers from his own children. Amazing. But you know what? He came up on top. You are coming up on top of every predicament. You have been beaten. You have been battered. But you are coming out ten times better. Shout a better amen. The Bible says, For though the outward man perisheth, the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. By the time David was finishing, amazing finish. The Bible said, And David died in a good old age, full of days, riches and honor. And Solomon reigned in his stead. What a beautiful way to end. You will end very well. I said you will end very well. Now, if you must end well, we need to learn from this faith giant. Amazing guy. With all his lapses, there was something he knew that a lot of people don't know. He never joked with church. Praise God. One day, he said, I'm going to build a church for God. God said, David, who taught you? Where do you get the idea from? He said, I'm going to build a church for you. He said, David, okay, I don't even need you to build a church. Because, see, the whole idea of building a church for me makes me feel like you can cage me and put me in a box. Since your fathers came, nobody has ever succeeded in keeping me a box because I dwell in the heavens. The earth is my footstool. What church will you build for me? But he pushed and pushed until he convinced God. As for some people, even when they are invited to partner with God to build the church, they run away. David invited himself. That's how he ended well. He said, don't do it. And when he was told not to do it, he invested and saved up much more than they donated later after he gone. So, it, technically, it was David who built the temple. Because whoever pays the building materials is actually the one building the building. David. And God said, because this was in your heart, you will do well. And he did very well. You will do very well. You see, life, our heart matters. What is in your heart? I, I, I like it when God decided under the new, this new era, he's not going to judge us by our actions, but by our hearts. Because if God were to judge us by our actions, a lot of us would be condemned. But he looks at our heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. What will God find in your heart? David, when God put the mirror of heaven on his heart, it was all full of God. He saw David's heart and it was full of him. Full of him. He said, one day in your court, what was the secret about the church? We've talked about the fact that the church is not a building. Somebody says it's not a building. I mean, in recent times, COVID has made us aware that church is really not a building. Because many buildings, giant buildings in places like the US and uh, UK have been abandoned for months since the COVID. Because church is not a building. Church is a community of people to which you belong. Praise God. And because you are a part of the community, church people may meet in the building, but church is not a building. Church is also not an event you attend. 
Church is a community of people to which you belong. A group of people you bond with. A group of people you flow with. Whether online or physically. That is church. Church is a community of people. And we said that church is a community of three kinds of people. One, a community of connected people. Somebody say connected people. In church, we are connected to one another. Nobody is uh, dissociated from another. We are all connected. Somebody say we are connected. Uh-huh. Look at me. Turn to your neighbor and say look at me. We are connected. When we close church, at least greet me. Yes. Praise God. We are connected. We are connected. And then number two, we said a church is a group of people who are contributors. They contribute to one another's well-being and welfare. Praise God. The Bible said if one member suffers, the whole member, the whole body suffers with it. If one is celebrating, all of us will come around and we celebrate. That is the true spirit of church. And that is why we've instituted the family system so that practically all of us can experience that at a very personal level. Church is a group of people who contribute. You don't come to church to receive and go. You come to church to contribute so that others are blessed. Ask your neighbor, what are you contributing? Apart from sitting on the chair. What are you contributing? You have to contribute something. Contribute time. Contribute your energy. A lot of people do a lot of contribution to get service running like this. Ashes come. They clean here. Get everywhere set. Washrooms. Can you imagine that I'm ready to preach the whole place is a mess? That won't be church. That won't be church. Choir invest several hours to rehearse so that the music you just enjoyed can prepare your heart and set the stage for church. A lot of people do different things. The media, see what he's doing. And that's how church is run. So when you come and you just come and sit and go, you don't involve yourself. You are simply saying, I don't care and I don't mind. And that is not a good spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, let that spirit go. Yeah. And then number three, we said, is a community of committed people. Somebody say committed people. Committed people. If you are going to be in church and get the most out of church, you have to be committed. Committed. All of us, every now and then, every week, almost something comes up that may want to take you away from church. That's some funeral or something, some uh, invitation to a place, all kinds of things. If in a month, you can stay away from church, attending one funeral after the other, about two weeks, three weeks, and you have not been in church, you're attending funerals and parties, something is wrong. Praise God. This, our city, is very noted for that matter. Amen? You don't, you don't stay out. David said, one day in your court. And sometimes, unfortunately, when you are not even the type who is even able to make it for midweek service. And Sunday is your only fellowship day. You cannot afford that. Because Satan is always looking for you. And when you decide to stay away from fellowship, you are actually, you know, it's not easy to break broomstick when it's together. Have you seen that? You can't break it. But when it is isolated, you remove one, you will just break every bit and pieces of it. And Satan's target is from Genesis 1. That has been his number one strategy. Isolate them and kill them. Isolate them. That's it. If you can be isolated, you can easily be killed. Yeah, snipers, that's what they do. They just try and gaze you, isolate. Now, you will not be sniped. I'm not communicating there. Very, very important. So once you isolate, in fact, no, this, this is so important. 
Paul was speaking about a man who was in the church in Corinth and was not living well. And you know what he said? He said that this guy is saved. He has decided to misbehave. That is uh, uh, his own challenge. But so that he does not a little living living the whole lamp in order for his negative influence to affect the whole church, let us isolate him. Then he said something. He said once he is isolated, then Satan can trouble him. In other words, when you are connected to a body of believers, it's not easy for Satan to trouble you. Do you understand what I'm saying at all? It's not easy. And the reason why it's not easy is that when you are picked, immediately the family is noticed. And everybody gets on the alert. You remember when Peter was arrested. First, James was arrested and they were quiet. Peter was arrested. They said, we are not quiet again. Quiet, no more. Silence, no more. Then they started praying. The Bible said they prayed. And when they prayed, in a house, in a small group, they prayed. And supernatural took over. Peter was released from prison. I don't know where you are, but as we get together with one another and begin to stay in fellowship, amazing things will begin to happen. In your families, I see amazing testimonies flowing. Shout a better amen. amen. Now, we said that there are five key purposes of church. Somebody say five key purposes. Five key purposes. And those five purposes are also God's fundamental expectations of us. God has expectations of us. He gave birth to us. He saved us by his blood and he has his own expectation of us. What are his expectations? Number one, he expects that we will be members of his family. Somebody say, I'm a member of God's family. Say, I'm a member of God's family. That's the first thing. Number two, God expects you to be a model of his character. God expects that when people see you, they will see Jesus. The Bible says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. When your wife sees you, she must see Jesus in you. When your husband sees you, you must see Jesus in you. Your colleagues at work, they must see that this one is modeling Christ-like character. Amen? Then number three, God expects you to be a minister of his grace. Somebody say a minister of his grace. Say all of us. Starting with me. I have something to offer. There is no child of God who has not got anything to offer. We all have something to offer. When we gather together, we gather to offer things unto God. So we all have things to offer. There is something you can offer. Some offer time, talent, and money. Others can offer money. Praise God. But all of us must offer something. What are you offering? So we are to minister one to another. The Bible said, as we have received a gift, let us minister unto others. Then, of course, he expects you to be a messenger of his love. Somebody say, I'm a messenger of his love. Yeah, God wants you to communicate his love across to everybody and then let everybody know how good and kind he's been. And then God expects you to be a magnifier of his name. Somebody say, I magnify his name. Ron Kinoli sang a song, Lord, I magnify. I think you sang it the last time. I glorify. I give my praise to you. Lord, I magnify, I glorify, I give my praise to you. Now, those five expectations, they form the basis of five purposes of God for the church. What are those five purposes? Quickly, number one is worship. Somebody say worship. Two is fellowship. Three is discipleship. Four is, four is, and five is. All right. Now, 
Those are the five things when we come to church. God expects that every member of the family will be committed to. You must be committed to evangelism. We just share the flyers out and on your personal level, you need to be engaged. And then other times when we are doing something at the corporate level, like our broadcast, you sign up and monthly you give towards reaching out with, with the gospel to others about it. And then of course, we looked at fellowship, we have service, all of these. But the good thing is that for every one of them, when we engage in it, God has some amazing benefit it offers to us. You see, God has not called us just to do things. He's a good God and a loving Father. Everything he calls us to do, he also promises amazing blessings in return. So, when it comes to worship, when we worship God, what really does it bring? Okay, so each five purposes, each of them is tied to one. Worship, number one, helps me to focus on God. Somebody say worship. Helps me to focus on God. You have to protect your focus. Focus is a very powerful thing. When a person is focused, he can do so much. You may not be talented, you may not be gifted, but if you learn to focus, some of us are not making progress because we are easily distracted. We have divided ourselves into too many things and we are not making progress at all. You have to be focused. And listen, if you are going to get the most of your relationship with God, you have to learn to be focused. And worship helps us to focus on God. When we come to church and we are together as a church family and we are in worship, we begin to sharpen our focus. We go through the week minding different things. All kinds of things are seeking our attention, our jobs, our spouses, our friends, all kinds of things. But at the end of every week or in the course of the week, when we meet in God's house and we lift up our hands in fellowship, we are focusing on the one who matters most. And that is key. Because you see, in life, things will come after your focus. Problems are seeking your focus. And listen, the more you focus on your problems, the bigger they become. The more you focus on your problems, because the truth of the matter is everybody has problems. And the more you focus on yours, the bigger they become. But rather than focusing on your problems, focus on God. When you worship God, you focus on his mighty power. You focus on his abilities. You focus on his limitless power to deal with the issue. I'm not complicating here. The more you stay in worship. That's why sometimes people who are sold out in worship, they live as if they don't have problems. And you look at them, it's like, these guys, they don't know they have problems, really. Some of their problems will swallow you up. But they have learned to lay it down. Casting all your cares upon him. Because to worship, you have to lay aside your cares. You cannot. You cannot carry your cares and be sold out in worship. You have to lay them aside. And while you are laying them aside and you are sold out to God in worship, angels will be attending to them, every one of them. I don't know what problems you are presenting before God today, but I see divine intervention coming for you. So when you come to church, true, we understand your problems. True, nobody knows what you're going through. But God knows. And he has what it takes to sort it out. But come into his presence with singing. And then connect with him. And when you connect with him, you will see that your problems are no problems at all. I'm not complicating here. You see, the bigger God becomes in your life, the lesser and smaller your problems become. The bigger God becomes in your life, the smaller your problems become. Number two, fellowship. So that is worship. Somebody say worship. Worship helps me to what? Focus on God. Number two, fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. 
Fellowship helps me to face life's problems. How many of you have ever been discouraged before? Have you ever felt discouraged before? Oh, lift up your hands. I know some of you are supermen. You never feel discouraged. Not in your marriage, not in your business. Thank God for your life. And I pray that you will never feel discouraged. But the reality of life is that the problems of life can be overwhelming. And sometimes you can come under the weight of problems. The reason why you are tempted to be discouraged is because life is full of problems. We don't pray away problems. We prepare and train ourselves to solve problems. Listen, the people who go far in life, the people who succeed and do great exploits in life, they don't do it problem-free. They ride on their problems with their destination. They ride on their problems with their destination. Listen to what your Bible says. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you all this so that you will have peace in me. Where are you supposed to have your peace? I have had enough. I want my peace in this house. I want my peace in, in this office. I want my peace in this neighborhood. Well, 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 well. News flash. You can have your peace in this life. You can have your peace in Christ. He said, in me, you have what? Peace. Here on earth. Somebody say, here on earth. What will, will be waiting for you? A bed of roses? Just uh, chilling in Hawaii? Just dancing around? Listen. All of those things, when you are a child, that's how you see life. Life is rosy. And I'll be chilling, moving from Heta Skeeter, wait more. Cross 18. Come into 20. Finish university. Finish uh, your polytechnic. And then start struggling for job. Then you know that life is real. He said, here in this world, but take heart. Somebody say, take heart. He said, you see, you see, God is a realist. I don't like people who fake spirituality. God is a realist. He said, in this world, you are going to have problems. But you are not going to deal with your problems like unbelievers. You are not going to throw your hand in despair as if there is no hope for you. As if you have come to your wit's end. No. In your case, I am with you. And because I'm with you, your case is different. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Most of the time, God is with us, but we don't know how God accompanies us in dealing with problems. You see, the problems of life come to all of us. Some falter and fail under the weight of the problems because they have nobody to help them through it. The Bible said two are better than one. Woe unto him that is alone. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Two are better than one. Some of you, you don't trust anybody. It's a very dangerous thing. Learn to trust someone and allow somebody to trust you too. Learn to what? Trust someone and allow someone to trust you. Because the challenges of life is that, that if you come under the weight... And there is no place you can express yourself or let there be an outlet. You can seriously get yourself in trouble. And one of the places where we might find trust and hope and confidence and loyalty is in God's family. Yeah, This is where when we meet as a family and somebody has a problem, he should be able to bring it up so that together as a family we will agree with the person and pray for the person. Not that you will pick that prayer topic and then you go and be spreading it. That is ungodly. A lot of people in church are dealing with emotional weight that if they could find somebody who they could speak with, it would be easier to bear. But a lot of people in church are too funny. He said, two are better than one. They have a good word of your labor. He said, for if one falls, look at that, the one will lift his neighbor about woe unto him that is 
alone. Most of the time, when people are going through problems, they say, hey, Pastor, pray for me. I need God. You don't need God. You need God and you need people. Yeah. It's a fallacy. One of the greatest fallacies is to think that you just need God. God sees your need for people. It's foolish to uh, deny what God says you need because he made you in his image. You need people. Can you throw a birthday party to yourself alone? Am I communicating here? So in the good times and the bad times, we will always need people. And that's why God put us in the church family. That's why you are in church. So when something is happening to somebody in the church, don't be a, a monk in the church or be a hermit in the church who does not intermingle. You don't avail yourself for anything. You are just busy, 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 busy into yourself. The cheapest way to destroy your life is to live a selfish life. You don't share your time with anybody. You don't share your energy with anybody. You don't share your, your resources with anybody. You will not go far. When the man who sat there, he said, my, my feet has brought forth plentifully. He said, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. Immediately, God said, your end has come. Because the moment you begin to live a life of I will, I will, I will, I will, and not reaching out to others, your end has come. Satan started it, he failed. That man continued here, he failed. You will not fail. I said you will not fail. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, bear ye one another's burden, so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, there are burdens in life. Somebody say there are burdens in life. But you are not supposed to bear them alone. When you join the church family, you are not supposed to bear. You see, sometimes, sometimes by the time I hear of somebody's matter, the thing has gotten out of hand, and I'm like, I'm like, really? This person, does he really understand the spirit of fellowship? Even as your pastor, some people do their own things and things get out of hand, then they are bringing it. Sometimes it's just too late. You can't bear your burdens alone. You can ask my pastor if I have a challenge. I share it with them. They pick it up on the prayer page and they pray with me. We are to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. In the New Testament, we have only one law. It's the law of love. When we bear one another's burden, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. Number three, discipleship helps you to fortify your faith. Somebody say, fortify my faith. So number one, we do what? Focus on God. Two, we are empowered to face life problems. Number three, our faith is fortified. Somebody say our faith is fortified. Say our faith is fortified. Now listen, I am showing you why you need to be connected and committed to church and be committed to the purposes of the church. Because you see, when you understand these things, it will help you. No one was designed to do life alone. Nobody. You can't do life by yourself alone. And staying in fellowship with believers fortifies your faith. How many of you have seen your faith increasing the more you come to church? You see your faith increasing. You feel empowered that you can take on anything in life. How many of you feel like that? When you come to church and the word of God is taught, you are built up. It's not like your problems have told you. Sometimes they can even become worse. But you see, the more you build greater strength, you don't care about what is happening on the outside because strength is growing from the inside of you. Praise God. Fortifies your faith. That's what it does. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, we are bound to thank God for you, brethren, as he meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you toward all abounded. Your faith. Somebody say, my faith. My faith. Say, my faith. my faith. Listen, you can't grow your faith in isolation. 
You don't. You can't grow your faith in isolation. You need to hear the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What an opportunity we have to grow. You see, this generation is so blessed. If we really want to grow our faith, we can grow our faith endlessly. In this church, apart from being in service, you have the podcast available. Several messages have been placed there on various issues. Listening to them, you get God's perspective on matters. And you see, the moment fortifying your faith is easier when you get God's perspective on a matter. When you know this is God's stand, and you take God's stand, you can rest. Because you know that standing with God is a majority. Praise God. Praise God. It's too risky to live a life void of faith. In the world, the weapon for victorious living is faith. Somebody say faith. Listen, if you've not started living by faith, start learning it today. Amen? Yeah. Some people live by money. No. The just shall live by faith. He said, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Faith. 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 Because there are things, eh? Money cannot handle it. There are some sicknesses. When our brother came under the attack of cancer, they had the money, but it's not that. Because other people richer than him have been taken out by cancer. But when the choir stood with him and we stood with him as leaders and we prayed with him, he stood here two weeks ago, healed and whole, certified free. How did it come about? In the community of faith. In a community of faith. That's how it happens. That is how things happen. But you, you are into yourself. Issues are happening. You not even open up to anybody. You will die. I have said, I said when we were in the school that I will never die quiet. Me, I don't go down quietly. If I'm going to die, everybody will hear I am dying. No, 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 no. no. Because somebody may know the way to keep me alive. Yeah. I'm not saying that go and sell your matter anywhere. Yeah, communicate to people who can help you. Because there are people God has ordained on your path to help you. Your faith must fortify. Your faith. Faith helps us to overcome things. And faith also helps us to go through things. There are things faith stops. There are things faith helps us to go through them. And there are things faith helps us to endure. The real Bible faith functions on all three levels. Number four. Service helps you to find my talent. Service. When we come to church and we engage in serving, we're able to find our talent. I mean, you look at a place like uh, uh, Semach. Look at how she's living today. But I all started in church. Amazing. I mean, great musicians across the globe. They all started. Even the, uh, those who are not born again, that they look at them, see, they all started learning singing in church. Praise God. When we get ourselves planted in church and we are in fellowship, we find our talent. And all of us are talented. Somebody say, I'm talented. Yeah, Frank, there's something you can do. There's something you can do. Start doing it. Never think that, oh, this one is for this person. No, 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 no. Find an opportunity and express yourself. The Bible says, as we have been given gifts, we should use it. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. He said, in his grace. Somebody say, in his grace. grace. Now, grace is God's universal currency. Grace is available unto all. The Bible said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. So there is nobody that has been cut out of grace. In his grace, God has given us what? Oh, look at that. God has given us what? Can you see that on the screen? Let's read it together. God has given us what? To do what? 
Yeah. So, so if God has given you the ability to what? Uh-huh. Simple. One after the other. Oh, come back to look at this scripture because it's very important that you identify your place. Find your place. Because listen, when all of this is over, we will stand before God and you'll be asking us, the gift I give you, what do you use it for? I gave you the gift of liberality. How much of your money did you invest in the church? Yeah. All Christians are supposed to be givers. But there are some people, they have been given super grace to be super givers. There is something God has given you grace to do. Why are you sitting on it? Why are you wasting your potential? You remember the unprofitable servant? He said, I know you to be a wicked. I know they said they don't need anybody. Look at the way the choir sings beautifully. Look at the way, no, I don't think they need any people. My gift will not be useful. That was the mindset of the unprofitable servant. And you saw where he ended? He was cut into outer darkness. You, you won't get to outer darkness. You will be saved, but you will be placed in heaven's own Am I communicating here? Yeah, because you sat on your talents. The Bible says we should take heed how we build upon it. Some are using wood, some are building hay. May you build with wood. I close with number five. Evangelism helps you to fulfill your mission on it. Now, church, hear me. We have one mission on earth. We have what? Say we have one mission on earth. Say we have one mission on earth. And I, I never want you to be confused about it. All the things you are doing, they are supposed to be done to help you accomplish this mission. Wouldn't it be sad to know that you live your life 70 years, 90 years, 80 years, and you never really fulfill this very mission of your life? That's our mission. This is our mission. Look at Acts 20, verse 24. That's our mission. It's our mission. Everything we are doing should push this agenda. Not if you are working in a hospital, this is your mission. Somebody say, This is my mission. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. That's your mission. So you are in the bank, this is your mission. Apart from getting money and uh, counting money for your uh, whatever you are doing there, this is your mission. So this is your life's mission. But my life is worth nothing. Can you see that with me? Your life is what? My life is worth nothing. Unless I use it for what? For finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What is that work? The work of telling others the good news. How many people are you telling? You you are not telling. Others have a platform has also been created for it to be told to a wider audience. Through the, uh, what do you call the broadcast? That one too, you know the inside. You are not telling. We are doing outreach, no go go. We are giving uh, every, you just know the inside. This is our work. Praise God. This is what? Our work. When we build a church, it's about this. When we go on radio, it's about this. When we buy instruments, it's about this. Everything we are doing is to help us do this better. It's not just come and sit in, tickle our fancy and just laugh. No, 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 no. It's about this. Getting this message across. That's what church is all about. That is the only reason why God will send his only begotten son to come and die. He paid the utmost price for the salvation and the rescue of all humanity. We cannot neglect it and think that all will go well with us. No. When Jesus came, his major preoccupation, he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? He lived for it. He died for it. And here you and I, today, we have been committed with the ministry of reconciliation. How faithful are we in that assignment? How faithful are we? 
How faithful? When it comes to matters on your business, ah, yeah, yeah, no joke. You are all out. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, even this fly we are talking about, some of you cannot be bothered. You cannot be bothered. Look at that. I close with Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself and no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. Can you see the wonderful message? This is a wonderful message that God is not holding people's sin against them. Verse 20. He said, we are Christ's ambassadors. Now, all Christians are Christ's ambassadors. But as a member of ELC, you are a super ambassador. Yeah, because here we call ourselves an embassy. So an embassy is full of ambassadors. And ambassadors are of no use unless they are representing their home country well. And I tell you, the best way we can represent our heavenly country our home country is to reach out to the good news. Praise God. At the most. Anywhere we meet people, we must openly share the gospel. This, is, this was Apostle Paul's mandate. Look at that in our close. I like the way he put it in the New Living. First, first Corinthians chapter 9, verse 17. The way he put it. Yeah, you are there. For just preaching the gospel isn't any special credit to me. I couldn't keep from preaching it if I wanted to. I will be utterly miserable. Woe unto me if I don't. Alright? Now look at what he's saying. He said, if I were volunteering my services of my own free will, then the Lord will give me a special reward. But that is not the situation. For God has picked me out. Look at this. God has, go to verse uh, 17 with me. God has picked me out and given me this sacred trust. Have you been picked out of something? I don't know about you, but I have been picked out of many things. God has picked us out of things. And he's given us the opportunity to go pick them. He said it's a sacred trust. You know what the sacred trust means? Sacred trust. Sacred trust. It's a solemn responsibility. It's a huge task. It's a task you can't fail in. And I pray that as a church will rise up to fulfill that mandate. As an individual, as a member of God's family, you will rise up and you stand tall in pursuing this agenda. And as we do so, may the rewards that accompany the same follow our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Pastor Afraqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.
Let's go.